Hi, I'm Peter Mullen from Mullen Natural Health Centre. Have you ever thought about coming to see a naturopath but weren't sure if we could help? Why not try our free 15-minute phone consultations? Call 4961 4075 or go to mullenhealth.com.au for details. It is a Tuesday, which means it is time for health and wellbeing. Peter Mullen joins us again for a Tuesday. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Very well, thank you, Colin. That's the way, mate. Uh, looking refreshed after a weekend, which is always <laughs> nice. Uh, thank you. Today we are talking about six dairy-free ways to get calcium. Yeah, it's a common common question I get because I'm not a real big fan of too much milk, too mm. much dairy product, but um, and it gets me in a bit of spot of bother sometimes with patients. So I thought that was a good topic for today to come up with some alternatives. Well, when I started my six week challenge, you said not much milk, very yes. minimal. Yes, which I've been keeping to, and we'll talk about my six week challenge uh, at the end of the program also. Pete, six dairy-free ways to get calcium. Over the years, you know, clever marketing has probably made us think that dairy, you know, is our only, only real source of calcium. Yeah, look, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Like, really, it's only been since we've had refrigeration and a dairy industry. Mm. And um, I come from a, a family of dairy farmers. You know, I spent a lot of my younger years going up to um, cousins and my uncles at Gloucester and, you know, helping out on the farm. Mm. So, um. You know, I come from that background, not all the time, but part-time, part-time farmer maybe. <laughs> um, and, you know, so, so dairy is one of the things that, um, like when I say to patients, because, and as we'll go through some of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of eating too much dairy. Um, when I say to my patients, you know, you really need to get your kids off, say if kids getting reoccurring ear infections. Mm. Sounds like an old wives' tale, but any child I've had that's had reoccurring ear infection after ear infection, they cut out dairy, often they'll stop getting ear infections. So lots of reasons why I recommend it to patients. But, um, you know, the parents almost have a conniption when I say cut out dairy because it's like, well, what about their calcium? Mm. So we sort of forget that before we had the dairy industry and refrigeration, you know, no one had access to dairy. So, you know, obviously we haven't had bone issues up until just recently. So um, lots of alternatives. Some of the reasons why, just before we go there, Mark mentioned in the segment before ours that he had an unhealthy lunch and he mm. wasn't going to open it until after I got on air. Mm. So I think I might come a bit earlier on a, I'll have to let Mark know, come a bit earlier on a mm. Tuesday and do a lunchbox audit mm. for anyone that's interested and I can have a perusal mm. of their, what they're going to eat. Mm. Anyway, so why I'm not keen on dairy, um, it's full of cow hormone. We sort of forget that because it's the milk produced for, you know, turn baby cows into, into young steers, you know, pretty big within a 12-month period. So it's full of cow estrogen, progesterone, growth hormone, you know, made to fatten up baby cows. Um, many people are intolerant to the proteins in cow's milk. Um, and, in fact, it's one of the most common intolerances that we see in our IgG food intolerance test is an intolerance to cow's milk, particularly the proteins. And um, I think that's why, you know, the, there is some some thoughts that the A2 milk is better or easier for us to digest. And for some people that can tolerate dairy, the A2 does seem to be the way to go. Mm. Um, but I've often seen dairy intolerance linked to conditions like eczema, asthma, um, you know, it may even contribute to behavioural problems in kids. I've had a kid over the years that cut out milk and stopped wetting the bed. So, you know, these, these foods can affect us in all sorts of different ways, but the protein in dairy particularly seems to be one of those proteins. Um, cow's milk also contains lactose, and 
as people, when we're younger, we produce a lot of an enzyme called lactase in our gut, and lactase breaks the lactose down into glucose and galactose, two smaller sugar units so we can absorb it. Mm. With the, the latest dietary approach, a recommendation for the irritable bowel is called the FODMAP diet. Lactose is an example of a FODMAP in that if it's not broken down, the large sugar ends up in the large bowel where it's fermented and digested by the bacteria, and that's when you get you know, bloating, wind, and diarrhea. Um, and the other, this is, this is kind of fascinating stuff. Like the other really interesting thing that's, I don't know that a lot of research has been done, but there's definitely suggestions that when milk is homogenized, so you know with milk in Australia it has to be pasteurized, mm-hmm. which is heated. The idea is you, you boil it to yep, kill any bacteria. Yep. And you also, the idea was that you wanted to homogenize it. So what you do is you blend it and you blend the fat, you break the fat down into really small particles so it gets dispersed mm. through the milk. There's some suggestions that those tiny fat particles can be absorbed straight across the blood vessel walls and may even be associated with causing damage to arterial walls. So when we're looking at you know this massive increase in cardiovascular disease, I definitely wouldn't be drinking homogenised milk. Mm-hmm. Uh, growing up around a dairy farm, you'd know about uh, the, the cream on top. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if, if yeah, anyone yeah. is keen to drink milk, I'd always say get the full fat milk with the cream on top. Yeah, yeah. That's what my parents always would say. Yeah. And straight off the dairy farm, there'd be often a few flies up the top of it. <laughs> as well, you I would remember know. the, the yeah. scariest thing that I saw ever happen at, at well, the, my uncle's dairy farm was um, one of the cows was on antibiotics at the mm. time. So when the milk went through, it was blue. Wow. And so you, literally the milk was blue from the antibiotics. So, and then that did, some of that did get mixed up in the mm. milk and obviously it lost its blue color and they un, unhooked that cow at the time. But that's the other thing we don't think about is, you know, antibiotics or any, any chemicals that the animal right. comes in contact with is going to also end up in cow's milk. So, mm. yeah. yeah, interesting. Some sources of dairy-free calcium, because growing up, and, and, and I didn't know this until today when I, when I was reading about this, you know, mum would always say, oh, you drink the milk to make your bones grow. Yes. Strengthen them up with a, bit of, you know, a little bit of milk. Yes. Which would often be topped with a little bit of Milo, but that's another story. <laughs> um, as many people would. Tell me more, you know, what are the six sources of dairy-free calcium? Well, just on, just on, that, on that score, like, uh, it's kind of interesting with, with nutrition, like, from a medical point of view, the nutrition that you know they sort of feel is really necessary are things like your calcium mm-hmm. because of your bones, your iron because of your blood, and pretty much and your your folic acid if you're pregnant. But you know everything else is fine. You should be able to just get that from your diet. But what people don't always realise is that calcium is just one of the minerals in our bones. Mm-hmm. So if you're deficient in calcium, you're going to be deficient. A low, you're going to be low across the board with all of those minerals. So one of the best ways to ensure good quality mineral intake in the body is actually things like um, your Celtic sea salt. As long as you don't have high blood pressure, Celtic sea salt contains a really good balance of all minerals in what are called ionic forms, so they're absorbed well. So mm. yeah, so if, you, if you're worried about your bone density, don't just go and take um, like the commercial, the, the chemist brand of calcium mm. because it's... I can't say the name on radio, yeah. but um, it's, a, it's a form of calcium called calcium carbonate, mm. and it's actually really poorly absorbed. So you can take 1,000 milligrams of this calcium from the chemist with vitamin D, and um, you, you're just wasting your time. And in fact, that calcium may end up where it's not supposed to end up. So 
if someone's got bone density issues like osteoporosis, they really need to see a naturopath or talk to someone that actually knows about what's actually happening with their bones. Mm. Anyway, so six sources of dairy-free calcium. Back to the topic at yes. hand. Um, dark leafy greens. Um, and again, it can be a bit of a challenge getting your kids to have. Mm. Um, my daughter, Gabrielle, made a smoothie up this morning and it looked like looked and tasted like a chocolate smoothie. Mm. But um, it actually had half a zucchini in it, wow. and I wouldn't have even tasted. I wouldn't if you mm. said what's in. It, I would not have picked that. Mm. Um, you can also put some baby spinach or green leaves in that. So smoothies are a great way to get kids to eat green stuff because you can mix it in with berries and bananas. Yep. Um, but dark leafy greens are full of calcium. Um, broccoli has 80, 86 milligrams in two cups. Um, kale one hundred one milligrams in one cup. Spinach is really quite high in calcium, 240 milligrams in one cup cooked. Mm. So you might not have a full cup of spinach, but you might easily have half a cup of cooked spinach. Um, tahini is a... Do you know what tahini is? No. It's um, ground-up sesame seeds. It's a sesame seed paste. So you know how like you have peanut butter mm. made from peanuts. Well, tahini's tahini butter made from ground-up sesame seeds. Excellent source of calcium with over 60 milligrams in just one tablespoon. can be used in salad dressings. Um, we'll often make a, if 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 um, my family are making you know muesli bars or something like that they'll use tahini as one of the binders. Um, my sister uses tahini over stir fry, sort of gives it Love a bit of a nutty mm. nutty taste. Um, oranges, interestingly, better known for their vitamin C content, but also 40 milligrams of calcium per small orange. So if your kids struggle to eat greens, try orange slices when mm. oranges are in season. Um, Probably after tahini, almonds are one of the most nutritious nuts containing about 30 milligrams of calcium in about 10, 10 almonds, as well as healthy fats, fiber, protein, good source of magnesium and vitamin E. Mm. Um, firm tofu, um, osteoporosis, Australia lists firm tofu as the food with the highest calcium content per serve, 832 milligrams per cup. So in... In um, men and women, you know, the estimate, the RDA, the recommended daily intake for calcium is around the 1,000 milligram mark. So if you have a cup of firm tofu, you've virtually got all your calcium in one go before you've even had any dairy mm. products. Um, what I tend to have a lot of is canned fish, particularly canned salmon. Yep. And um, it's an easy and inexpensive way to get your calcium intake. So, you know... Um, so salmon has got 279 grams, milligrams rather of calcium per serve. Sardines higher at 486 milligrams of calcium per serve. So if you're eating a well-balanced diet, mm. you know you shouldn't need to rely on dairy products alone to get all of your calcium. Today we are talking about dairy-free ways to get calcium. Peter, it's an interesting topic. Uh, as I said before, you know, growing up, we were kind of all under the impression that have a glass of milk. It's good for the bones. Yep. Particularly. Yep. Uh, so what should we, you know, how should we get the most calcium out of our foods? Well, keep in mind, if you're getting calcium from your foods, you're also getting, if you're eating foods that are good natural sources of calcium, you're also getting mm. magnesium, zinc, manganese, selenium. So, you know, eating a whole food diet obviously is the best way to go. Um, one of the challenges and one of the reasons why a lot of older people may end up with a calcium deficiency is if they're taking proton pump inhibitors. Mm. So if someone's taking um, medications designed to treat reflux, we've talked about this before on this show, that often on the bottle, if you look on your medication, if you're taking medication for reflux, if you look on the bottle, 
there's kind of a warning or there's a warning on there saying not to be taken for an extended period of time. Mm. Now, unfortunately, people... And these, these drugs are designed to re- lower the stomach acid production in your stomach if someone's got ulcers or heartburn or reflux. The problem with taking these medications long-term is you need a good acid response in the stomach to ionise the minerals so you can actually absorb the minerals. Yep. So the problem with these long-term um, antacid medications is they are going to interfere with your absorption of all your important minerals. Mm. And again, if you're having issues, it's definitely worthwhile talking to someone about it. Um, but the best way to absorb, so you want to make sure that you, you, and as I've said previously, at 50, it's normal to have half the stomach acid we had when we were 20. So ways to improve um, calcium absorption is, number one, you can try eating um, increased foods like sauerkraut, water kefir, kimchi. All of these fermented um, vegetables help to increase the stomach acid, mm. plus they encourage the balance of alkalinizing enzymes from your pancreas. But more importantly, they get your stomach starting to work properly, as well as providing good bacteria for your gut. Um, optimizing vitamin D won't so much help with the absorption of calcium, but if you've got bone density issues, we do need either that sun exposure safely or people need to get their vitamin D levels tested. Mm. But if you're not into fermenting, and um, interestingly, we've actually got a talk coming up on the 11th of April on gut and fermenting. Mm. So we'll be talking more about that later, but if anyone's keen to come along and learn how to make their own fermented products, on the night we make um, fermented sauerkraut and and yogurt. Plus, I do a talk on gut health as well. So anyone okay. having gut issues, that's the talk to come to. Mm. Um, one of the best ways, though, to start to improve the absorption of calcium from your natural whole foods is to include things like um, apple cider vinegar. Yep. So 5 to 10, 10 to 15 meals of apple cider vinegar in a little bit of water and drinking that, say, 15 minutes before meals starts to get your digestive system, your stomach particularly producing the acid needed to then get the mineral best mineral absorption from your from your foods hmm. very interesting there we go so we don't really need a glass of milk anymore we can use other alternative foods absolutely and and milk may cause more issues than it's worth and hmm. if you're having issues with milk taking it from a calcium point of view you're, you're wasting your time anyway all right thank you so much now uh the six-week challenge that i'm on at the moment yes uh, week three we, we, we've had it we've had a steady progress um i've lost two kilos in a bit so far which has been good i'm feeling much better which is always nice uh, we're hoping that the weight loss now just falls off me. Uh, I'll start water aerobics this week, which will be all very exciting. Absolutely. Um, and just that, that increased movement, it's, it's kind of interesting. I'm a little bit surprised that you haven't lost more mm. weight to date, particularly body fat. And um, as I was saying to you yesterday, I think what we'll do is we'll see what happens this next week. Um, keep going with your food diary. But... I think that if if we don't see a significant drop in body fat this week, we might get some further testing done. Mm. I think um, we'll get your thyroid tested. Mm. We'll get your um, blood sugar and insulin tested just in case insulin resistance can really make it difficult to get into fat burning. Yeah, you're saying yesterday that's probably, you know... Probably most likely probably what, what the issue is, will yeah. be. So sometimes, and then we can sort of work around that if that's mm. the case because your diet this last week has been really good. You've mm. really stuck to the plan. Mm. Um, and that's why doing that those food diaries is so helpful because you can sort of see yourself mm. um, you are showing ketones so you are burning some fat for fuel mm. but just not the amount that i would have expected at mm. this stage so as often happens you know we 
try stage one first if there's an issue then we look to try and find out what's going on or what the cause might be as to why you're not getting into fat burning more easily yeah. well look uh, this time next week when you see me i'll be probably three or four kilos lighter <laughs> or maybe not um, three to four I'd, uh, well, i'm, I'm happy know, with i'm happy with one one would be good right perfect but thank you so much for your time don't forget you can catch this program again as a podcast on our website at 2nurfm.com you can also see my six-week challenge uh, and my progress uh, that'll click through to the uh, health and well-being page thanks very much sir thanks colin we'll, we'll see talk to you, you again next, next week. week beautiful all right talk to you then thanks for listening to this podcast from 2nurfm at the university of newcastle topics range from gardening to health well-being pet care finance business and travel you'll find them all at 2nurfm.com